0: Shalom, shalom. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Truth Matters. Today's episode is titled, The Letters of Peter and Paul. This is part four of the Gentile series. We'll see who the strangers or foreigners and Gentiles that Peter and Paul sent letters to. So let's get started. A stranger is a foreigner. A stranger can be someone of another nation or an Israelite, and I'll list some examples. Number one, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were strangers in Canaan. You can read Genesis 17 and 8, Genesis 28 and 4, Genesis 37 and 1, and 1 Chronicles 16, 19 to see that they were strangers in Canaan. Number two. The Israelites were strangers in Egypt. You can find that in 2nd Esdras 14 and 29, Deuteronomy 10 and 19. And I'll read Acts chapter 13 and 17. And it says, The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. Number three, other nations are known as strangers, such as the Babylonians and everyone else who had us captive. You can read that in Isaiah 1 and 7, Ezekiel 11 and 9, Lamentations 5 and 2, and Jeremiah 5 and 19. Number four, Moses was a stranger in Midian, as stated in Exodus 2 and 22. Number five. A fellow brethren or Israelite can also be a stranger. For precept, let's go to Leviticus 25 and 35. And if thy brother be waxing poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him. Yea, though he be a stranger or sojourner, that he may live with thee. Second Chronicles 15 and 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Most High, his God, was with them. So we see these strangers of Simeon, Ephraim and Manasseh. that These three tribes were living among Judah and Benjamin. This is what Leviticus 25 and 35 was referring to. For another precept, we can go to Obadiah and read verse 12. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither should thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldst thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. So we see Israel became strangers when they were taken out of their land and into captivity. So let's get into the letters of Peter. I'll be covering key points in chapters 1 and 2 of 1 Peter. So who were Peter's letters written to? Let's read 1 Peter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Yahushua, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, So we see these strangers are scattered in some of the same areas as the Jews in Acts chapter 2, who came to Pentecost. That was in part 3. Aquila was a Jew born in Pontus, and you can read that in Acts chapter 18 and verse 2. Let's go to James chapter 1 and read verse 1. And it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Greetings. So this shows that all 12 tribes are scattered abroad, whether they be in Galatia, Ephesus, Tarsus, Philadelphia, wherever they're at, they're scattered all over the world. Let's go back to first Peter verse two. It says elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the father through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, peace be multiplied. So who is this elect according to foreknowledge? We know that the elect or the chosen is Israel. That's Isaiah 45 and verse 4, Psalms 105 and 6. Israel was chosen before the world ever came into existence. Let's go to Romans 9 and 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. This verse is speaking about esau and jacob the most high chose jacob to be his chosen before they were ever born it wasn't about anything that jacob did he was chosen and called to this position before he ever came out the womb and likewise esau he was given his position and authority before he ever did anything you can also read this in ephesians 1 and 5 and also romans 8 and 30 So it says sanctification of the spirit sanctification means to make holy or pure to purify. This is done by the spirit. The spirit gives us power and the mind to do God's instructions and to have faith. Let's read John chapter 17 and 17. It says sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And this is Christ speaking. So, Christ is the Word, He is the Truth, the Truth is the Law, Christ taught and lived the Law, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, to remind us of Christ and the Commandments. The Law and the Commandments causes you to convert or to repent, that's Psalms 19 and 7, and the result of being obedient to the Commandments is that you are being made holy and pleasing unto the Most High. This is sanctification of the Spirit. To sum up verse 2, only Israel was chosen to be a holy people before the Most High. In the Old Testament, sanctification or purification came through the different washings and cleansing practices or rituals. The Levitical laws were a foreshadow of better things to come, like it said in the book of Hebrews. 1 Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us, again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So who are the begotten? The begotten is Israel. Israel is his firstborn. You can read that in Exodus 4 and 22, Second Ezra 6 and 58, Sirach or Ecclesiasticus 36 and 12. Begotten us again means being born of the Spirit. Let's skip down to verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we see it's being born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God cannot die. First Peter chapter 1 verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are the only people who have inherited something through their forefathers in the scriptures only the israelites it says the incorruptible inheritance that is the glorified bodies that we will receive you can read that in first corinthians 15 and 52 verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ so it says being tried by fire the trials of your faith let's read second ezra 16 and 73 Then shall they be known who are my chosen, and they shall be tried as the gold in the fire. Zechariah 13 and 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Most High is my God. So we see that this is talking about Israel. We will be tried. We will be going through things to refine our faith. It's like it's a proven process. Are you really, do you really believe in what you say? Last point I want to make in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says that though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise honor and glory. Israel was created to be a praise and glory. Jeremiah 13 and 11 For as the girdle cleaveth unto the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel, northern kingdom, and the whole house of Judah, southern kingdom, said the Most High, that they might be unto me for a people, for a name, and for a praise, and for a glory, but they were not here. We were disobedient. We'll go to Jeremiah 33 and read verses seven through nine. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first verse eight. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned. And whereby they have transgressed against me and it shall be to me a name of joy a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth we shall hear of all the good that i do unto them and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that i procure unto it so so far in first peter chapter one we see He's talking to Israel scattered in these different areas known as strangers. Let's read verse eight of first Peter chapter one, whom having not seen ye love in whom though now ye see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So this goes back to second Ezra chapter one, verses 35 through 37 about the remnant that will be born who will have faith and obedience of the children of Israel. Let's read John chapter 20 and verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me and hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. This is talking about us today in this generation and in the generations of the past who weren't witnesses to Christ's, um, resurrection and his 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 crucifixion, his death. We haven't seen it, but we believe it. We have faith in it. We are blessed by simply believing and having never seen it with our physical eyes. Verses 9 through 11 of 1st Peter. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets Have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see that Peter is saying that the prophets wrote about the salvation that should come unto these strangers that Peter is writing to. So we know that the prophets were of Israel and they were sent to Israel, prophesying to Israel and also prophesying of the destruction of the nations of those who had them captive as well. We know that the prophets talked about the salvation of Israel from their sins and from their enemies. They talked about the regathering of the people being, you know, brought back into the land. So we know Peter is telling us, hey, the prophets also wrote about the grace that should come unto you. Who is the you again that Peter is writing to? The strangers scattered in Pontus, Galatia, and Bithynia, and Cappadocia. These are Israelites. Let's go to verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. The lust of their ignorance were the idols, the ways of the heathens, lawlessness, 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That is written in Leviticus 19 and 2. And it says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Leviticus 20 and 26. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. The heathen were never said to be holy, only Israel. He predestined us to be holy unto him. Verse 18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. Who are the only people being redeemed throughout the scriptures? Only Israel. I haven't seen one verse or prophecy about the heathen being redeemed. Exactly what would they be redeemed from is the question. Let's read Isaiah 52 and 3. For thus saith the Most High, Ye have sold yourselves for naught. You sold yourself For disobedience. And ye shall be redeemed without money. So if we're not being redeemed with money. What are we being redeemed with? Let's go to verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish. And without spot. We are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Not silver and gold. Verse 20. Who verily was foreordained. Before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. So we know Christ was slain from the foundation of the earth. Let's read Revelation 13 and eight. And all that dwell upon earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Further showing that predestination of the election of Israel was before the beginning of time. The Father had us on his mind even before he created the earth. Just think about it. Let's go to chapter 2 of First Peter. Starting at verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. The living stone is Christ. He was rejected by the elders, the Pharisees, and the chief priests. Christ was chosen. We read this in Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, or my chosen, in whom my soul delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The only holy priesthood mentioned in Scripture is the Israelites. Exodus 19 and 6 And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, Peter said we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Paul touched on this in Romans 12 and 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Meaning that we are to put off sin because sins defile us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. To offer up spiritual sacrifices meaning we are to put off this flesh. Put off the sins that defile us. 1 Peter 2 and 6 Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. This is referring to Christ. You can read Isaiah 28 and 16. Verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe. Meaning the believing Israelites. He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders rejected. Meaning the elders, the Pharisees and the scribes. And the priests. The same is made the head of the corner. Meaning Christ. Precepts for Christ being the stone. You can read it in Matthew 21, verses 42 through 45, Daniel chapter 2 and 45, Acts 4 and 11, and 2nd Exodus 5, verses 5 and 6. First Peter 2 and 9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness, meaning sin, and into his marvelous light, meaning the truth. So it says a chosen generation. It says a chosen generation. So in the Strong's Concordance, G1085, generation means kindred, offspring, or family from the same particular people. We know that this is talking about the Israelites, the only family chosen by the Most High a royal priesthood and holy nation you can find that in exodus 19 and 6 and in deuteronomy 7 and 6 A peculiar people let's read exodus 19 and 5 now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine deuteronomy 14 and 2 for thou art an holy people unto the most high thy god and the most high have chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth last point of this verse what does it mean to come out of darkness into light it means coming out of sin and entering into holiness by keeping his commandments Let's read Sirach 17, verses 25 and 26. It says, Return unto the Lord, and forsake thy sins, and make thy prayer before his face, and offend less. Turn again to the Most High, and turn away from iniquity, for he will lead thee out of darkness into light of health, and hate thou abomination vehemently. So, come out your sin, return back to the Most High. 1 Peter 2 and 10 which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This goes back to Isaiah 7 and 8 and Hosea 1 and 2 about the Northern kingdom being cut off or divorced, but now they have attained mercy and have been accepted back in faith through the Messiah. This is not about the other nations, so many israelites take this verse out of context and make it mean whatever they want you must use precept upon precept if you do not you would say that this verse is about the other nations this is not about the other nations so many israelites take these scriptures out of context and replace their own people with the other nations that's replacement theology come on now So that's all I wanted to talk about in 1 Peter. I think I went up, I covered enough information so that one can know that Peter was writing to his own people. Furthermore, we'll get to Ephesians. But in the book of Ephesians, Paul said that Peter was an apostle to the circumcision, that means the Jews. And we also know Peter knew that his brethren of the Northern Kingdom and that his scattered brethren of the Southern Kingdom, known as Greeks, they could come back in because he was given that revelation in Acts chapter 10 about Cornelius and about the vision of the different manner of beast. He knew that all of Israel could come back to the most high. He was not writing to the heathen at all. Let's get into the letters of Paul. Who did Paul write his letters to? At the beginning of every letter, the writer greets who they are writing to. The letters of Paul are no different. Paul always starts his letters off with four things. Number one, he'll say to the saints. We know the saints are Israelites. That's Psalms 50 and 5. Deuteronomy 33 verses 1 and 2, Psalms 148 and 14. Number two, he'll say brethren. Brethren means a relative or kinfolk. For the strong concordance, you can look up H251 or G80. So here's the thing about the concordance. I use it as a study tool, but the concordance was definitely written by someone, by white people, who know who we are and try to fit themselves in. So the concordance says that it can mean all men, fellow believers, which I don't agree with. I think they added this to include themselves because they know the true meaning of brethren is in relation to a family having the same parents. They know that they are not of the bloodline of Abraham. They know that they are not uh, blood related to the Israelites. So they try to squeeze themselves in any way possible, just like they did in Christianity. So it makes sense if they're giving us tools to learn the Bible by even in the concordance. They try to write themselves in that too. Think about it. Number three, Paul will say to the called or to the elect. We know the called and the elect are Israelites. That's Isaiah 45 and 4 and Isaiah 48 and 12. Number four, Paul will say to the beloved of God or beloved of God, Israel is the beloved of God. Let's read Baruch 3 and 36. He hath found out all the ways of knowledge and hath given it unto Jacob. His servant and to Israel his beloved. So the first letter of Paul we're gonna go through is Ephesians. Let's start at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. A saint? As I just said, are the Israelites. A saint is one who is holy. Only the Israelites were chosen to be holy. That's Exodus 19 and 6, Leviticus 19 and 2, Deuteronomy 7 and 6. No other nation was chosen to be holy unto the Most High. Paul says to the faithful, meaning those Israelites who have faith in the Messiah and keep the commandments. To further confirm who the audience Paul is speaking to, we can go to Acts chapter 18 and verse 19. And it says, And he, Paul, came to Ephesus and left them there. Meaning Priscilla and Aquila. You can read that in the verses uh, above it. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So if he was reasoning in the synagogue in Ephesus with his people, why would he be writing a letter to the ethnic Gentiles? He wouldn't. He's writing to his people, the Israelites, living in Ephesus. Verse two, grace be unto you and peace from God our father. This is another indication he's writing to Israelites. No other nation has called God their father except for Israel. Verse four. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Chosen us, that's Israel. As I stated in Peter's letter, Israel was predestined to be holy before the world ever came into being. According to Jeremiah 50 and verse 20, we will be blameless before the Father. It reads, In those days and in that time, saith the Most High, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none, and the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I reserve. So we truly will be without blame. Verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good will of his pleasure. This goes back to Romans chapter 9 and verse 4 about the adoption pertaining to the Israelites. The adoption is coming into the kingdom with spirit with a spiritual body. Verse 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So Christ came to redeem Israel. If you read throughout the Old Testament, you will see the only people that have redemption or um, is being redeemed is referring to the Israelites, not the other nations. Hebrews 9 and 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Acts 5 and 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 and 12 that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Israel was made to be a praise unto the Most High. We read that in um, Peter's letter. Let's go to chapter 2 of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 and 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands so when were they gentiles in the flesh the answer is during the greek captivity and when they served and worshipped idols so it says uncircumcision the uncircumcision are the hellenized jews known as greeks and those of the Northern kingdom. The circumcision was the Southern kingdom living in Jerusalem. So remember from part one, we saw that Northern kingdom became Gentiles and Southern kingdom became Greeks, right? Let's move on to verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope, and without God in the world. So let's break this down. So they were without the commonwealth, the promises, hope, and without God, because all of these things were a part of the covenant. So what does commonwealth mean? So the concordance tells us commonwealth is G4174. And it says it means citizenship. So the Commonwealth of Israel is citizenship in the kingdom. They were excluded when they were cut off slash when they began living like the heathens. Remember the Northern kingdom was divorced. They were not his people, meaning they had no rights. This is why Christ came to restore them back. It says, strangers from the covenant of promise. We know that the covenants and the promises are only to the Israelites. They were not in covenant to receive the promises. We discussed this in Romans chapter 9. Without hope in God, he is our hope to be delivered from captivity and, our, and from sin. And he is our God according to the covenant in Genesis 17 and 7. Hope is also referred to as the resurrection. You can read that in Acts 24 and 15. We want to rest and live for eternity with our father, not be eternally separated from him. And this is why Christ came. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. They were far off in location and, and in righteousness but the blood of christ was for the redemption of our sins which brought us near to the father again remember sin our sins separate us from the most high the other nations were never near to the most high he had no covenant or no relationship with them verse 14 for he is our peace who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Partition means to divide into parts. Israel was split into two kingdoms or two nations. This is in part one that I explained. Christ, who is our peace, came to unify the two nations, the two kingdoms, back into one nation and one kingdom under him. This is Ezekiel 37 and verse 22. Verse 15: having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself twain one new man, so making peace. Enmity means the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile towards someone. We know that Judah vexed Ephraim and Ephraim was envious of Judah. That's Isaiah 11 and 13. The laws of commandment containing ordinances is referring to the law of sacrifice. So we see that Christ's sacrifice will establish peace between the tribes and abolish the sacrificial laws for sin because he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. This verse is not saying that all the laws and the commandments are done away with, as we were taught in Christianity, verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby reconcile means to restore union between parties. This verse is talking about how Christ died. So Israel can be restored. Back to their original state, being one kingdom at peace with one another. Also, you can only reconcile or restore something that previously existed. How would Christ reconcile the nations when there was never a covenant made with them? Christ died for his people to fix the problems his people had. Verse 17 and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, afar off, those scattered throughout the earth, whether they be in Greece, Rome, Ephesus, Tarsus, Corinth, Smyrna, it don't matter, the Most High scatter his people everywhere just like he said he would. Let's read Daniel 9 and 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are afar off through all the countries, whether you have driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. And we know those that were near were those in Jerusalem. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the father. This is saying all 12 tribes have access to the father through the Holy Spirit, which is a promise and gift to them. Verse 19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. This is what I explained in verse 12. They are now citizens with the saints, meaning those of Israel who already had faith in the Messiah. And it says of the household of God, meaning his family. We are his people. We are his children, the sons and daughters of God. Ephesians 3, will start at verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What does it mean to be a fellow heir? To be heir means that you inherited something through an ancestor. Therefore, these Gentiles must be Israelites that will be fellow heirs with the elect of the southern kingdom that had faith. It is their right and promise because they were chosen to be his people to be heir or to be a fellow heir is only by inheritance. Romans 8 and 16. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is talking about the Israelites. So to say that the fellow heirs here are the ethnic Gentiles like so many Christians and some Israelites do is replacement theology. How can the nations rule with us and have the same privileges when they are not a part of the covenant? The other nations were not promised an inheritance, but as it is written, they shall be taken for a possession. Ephesians 3 and 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Notice Paul said among the Gentiles, not to the Gentiles. That's two different things. He said among because he knew that his people were living among the Gentiles as Gentiles estranged from the covenant. Let's go back to acts 21 and 21 when Paul was on trial against his own people. And it says, and they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews, which are among the Gentiles. All right. So hopefully you can see that the letter to the ephesians were written to israelites let's move on to galatians so the congregation at galatia was mentioned in first peter chapter 1 and verse 1. peter called the congregation at galatia strangers we saw that these strangers were israelites peter in his second letter tells us that paul wrote to these same people let's read second peter 3 and 15 and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, have written unto you. So Peter and Paul wrote to the same congregations or churches. Therefore, we know that the Galatians are Israelites. Galatians 1 and 3. Grace be to you and peace from God, the father and from our Lord, Jesus Christ. By now we know that Christ is the savior of Israel. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our father, our sins. Christ died for the sins of Israel. That's Isaiah 53 and five. Acts five and 31, the most high is the father of Israel. Israel is his firstborn is Exodus four and 22. We'll skip down to verse 16 in Galatians chapter one. It says to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen in Leviticus 26 and 33. It states that Israel would be scattered among the heathen Paul knew this. He was a Pharisee. They knew the law back and forth, in and out. So Paul was talking to his people, not the ethnic heathen. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. We'll read verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Titus was a Greek-speaking Jew. Let's go down to verse 11 and 12. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, which were the circumcision. So Paul called out Peter for being a hypocrite. Peter would eat with the Israelite Gentiles until the Jews came around. Some of the circumcision could not understand the mystery that their brethren who were living among the Gentiles could come back into their inheritance through faith in Christ. But Peter knew this. Peter knew this mystery because he was given a vision about the different beasts, and he was witness to the conversion of Cornelius. Some of the circumcision rejected Christ and their brethren. They could not see what Christ's sacrifice meant for the nation. Galatians chapter 3, let's start at verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. So the children of Abraham meaning the children of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob, who were chosen to have faith in Christ. Many Israelites today reject the Messiah. This verse is not talking about anyone from any nation having faith in Christ is automatically a child of Abraham. Let's go to verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing, that God would justify the heathen through faith Preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying in these shall all nations be blessed. This verse is not saying that all nations will be justified through faith as Christianity has taught us for centuries. So the heathen here are the Northern Kingdom and the Hellenized Southern Kingdom throughout the earth. Remember, heathen just means nation or Gentile as we saw in part one. The Northern Kingdom became Gentiles, the Southern Kingdom became Greeks through Hellenization. We see in this verse that Paul reveals that the Most High foretold the gospel to Abraham by telling him that all of his descendants would be blessed through faith. They had to follow Abraham's example and have faith, right? Be obedient. They will be blessed because they are brought back into covenant, which means they are citizens of the kingdom again, having access to all the promises. Let's read Isaiah 45 and 25. It says in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. This verse shows us that truly the Most High knows all things, even before they ever happen. He knew that we would disobey Him before He even created us and still created us. Still created us and made a way for us to come back to Him. Just think about that. Galatians 3 and 13 Christ have redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. The only people under the law was the Israelites. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We saw in verse 8 that these heathen or Gentiles are the Israelites. The blessing and the promise is the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Acts 2 and Joel chapter 2. The promises belong to the Israelites according to Romans 9 and 4. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed which is christ again this goes back to romans chapter 9 and 4 the promises of abraham transferred to isaac and then to jacob and then to jacob's descendants christ came through the seed of abraham let's go to verse 26 of galatians chapter 3 for ye are all the children of god by faith in christ jesus the israelites our children of god there's many precepts for that but in order to make it into the kingdom you have to have faith in christ just because you know you're an israelite that doesn't mean you're getting into the kingdom that's what the pharisees thought and christ told them that many of them wouldn't make it into the kingdom because they rejected him verse 28 every christian's favorite verse There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. This is simply saying there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek. Why? Because they're all Israelites. They are one nation under Christ, which he came to restore again. The Greeks were Jews of the Southern kingdom that were Hellenized they could not proclaim their identity as Jews. That's in 2 Maccabees 6, verses 6 and 9. Let's move on to the letter to the Corinthians. So Corinth is a city in Greece. There were Jews living in Greece, living like Gentiles and Greeks, as we will see. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Sanctified means called to be holy, called to be saints. That's referring to Israel in every place. We were scattered in different lands. Our Lord, we know that Jesus is the the Lord and savior of Israel. And Paul said, both theirs and ours. Meaning all twelve tribes that believe on the Messiah, first Corinthians one verses twenty two through twenty four for the Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the Jews always wanted a sign because they had to see to believe even when they did see they still didn't believe they simply had no faith Christ was a stumbling block to the Jews that's in Isaiah 8 and 14 we discuss this in Romans chapter 11 both the Jew and the Greek are called why because they are the same people Israelites let's go to 1st Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8 It says, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Christ is our Passover lamb. The Passover was a memorial of when our ancestors were delivered from slavery in Egypt. Christ shed his blood for his people of of both kingdoms to be accepted back to the Father unto a better covenant. Paul told them to keep the Feast of Passover because it was one of our feast days. Why would Paul tell the ethnic Gentile to keep Passover? I'll wait. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and we'll read verses 1 through 3. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye not worthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So Paul is saying that we should be able... As the children of God, the saints of the most high judge matters among ourselves and not have to go to the heathen to judge our matters. The saints, meaning the Israelites, will judge the world. How will the other nations judge the world in our kingdom? They won't. The other nations will not be judging the world in our kingdom. This is their kingdom now. Their laws are in place against us. And some of these Israelites want to invite the heathen in to rule with us. That doesn't make any sense. That's Christianity. We will not be ruling with the heathen. They will serve and bow down to us. That's their ordained purpose established by our God. Let's read Psalms 149 verses 5 through 9. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. All praises to the Most High. Let's skip down to verses 9 through 11 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor infeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revelers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. These things listed in verses 6 through 11 are contained in the law of Moses. For some of these sins, there was no sacrifices for, like idolatry and homosexuality and adultery. But through the sacrifice of Christ, those things can be forgiven. It says, washed, sanctified, and justified. You can read this in Isaiah 45 and 25 and Romans 8 and 30. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So Paul is saying that our body is the temple of God. We don't have a physical temple right now. Paul said back in Romans 12 and 1, we are to offer ourselves as spiritual sacrifices, meaning we are to die daily to ourselves. Some of us battle with adultery, lying, having uh, sexual thoughts and fantasies, which is basically lust. Uh, Some of us, steal, we battle with drunkenness. Some of us cause discord. Some of us have doubt. Others practice witchcraft. Those are things that we have to die to. We have to fast and pray and turn away from those things. That's the spiritual battle and sacrifice we must do to enter into the kingdom. So to further explain this point, I want to go back to chapter three of 1 Corinthians. And read verses 16 and 17. And it reads, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. This is saying we must keep the body clean from anything that is not pure, including our diet. It is not difficult to keep the dietary laws. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the gift given to all of Israel. We discussed this in part three. This is also showing us in Jeremiah 31 verses 33 and 34 that he will put his laws within us and we won't sin anymore. This will be possible in our spiritual body. We have the Holy Spirit right now to remind us and to correct us when we are in error and sin. Paul also goes into more detail about our temple in 2 Corinthians 6. Let's read verses 15 through 18. And it says, What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with the infidel? And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people verse 16 goes back to genesis 17 and 7 the covenant states that the most high will be our god let's read leviticus 26 and 16. it says and i will walk among you and be your god and ye shall be my people jeremiah 31 and 1 at the same time said the most high will i be the god of all the families of israel and they shall be my people Notice it says at that time. So there must have been a time where some of Israel was not his people and he was not their God. Again, we read that in Hosea 1 and 2 and 1 Peter 2. See it all, it all comes together. up upon, precept. Let's read Jeremiah 7 and 23. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice. And I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. Ezekiel 14 and 11. That the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, saith the Most High. Ezekiel 37 and 23. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. So we see we being God's people and he being our God, he's talking to his people Israel, not the heathens. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18. It says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's read Deuteronomy 23 and 14. For the lord thy god walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee therefore shall thy camp be holy that he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee we clearly see that this is talking about the israelites israel was chosen to be holy and to be the sons and daughters of the most high Okay, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 7 and 19. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. The Jews were demanding that that the Gentiles be circumcised in order to be accepted by Christ. That's in Acts 15 and 24. But Paul says keeping the commandments is what truly matters not fleshly circumcision a man can be circumcised and not live in the commandments of the most high is the most high pleased with that paul is telling this congregation to obey the commandments why would he tell the ethnic gentiles to obey the commandments when they were never given to them furthermore true circumcision is of the heart or the mind which means to remove sin from your mind or your life this means to renew your mind by being obedient to the commandments let's read a few precepts deuteronomy 10 and 16 circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked the 26 and 41 and that i also have walked contrary unto them And have brought them into the land of their enemies if then their uncircumcised heart be humble and they then accept the punishment of of their iniquity Jeremiah 9 verses 25 and 26 behold the days come said the Lord that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised Egypt Judah and Edom the children of Ammon And Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised. And all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. So we see that the circumcision isn't talking about fleshly circumcision. It's about having a renewed mind to follow the commandments or instructions of the Most High let's go to 1 corinthians chapter 10 verses 1-4 through 4. moreover brethren i would not that ye be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them that rock was christ It says, our fathers, we know that he's talking to the Israelites. This is not including the other nations that came out with him. We know that these things were written for our example. As it states in Romans 15 and four, they were written for the generations of the Israelites to come. So that we would learn not to worship idols, uh, be adulterous, be liars and fornicators. Or that we would end up being destroyed like our forefathers. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 through 2. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles. Carried away unto these dumb idols. Even as ye were led. It says ye were Gentiles. This shows that there was a conversion or repentance. These Israelites were in Greece living like Gentiles and considered Gentiles because they were cut off from the covenant for worshiping idols. You can see Hosea four and 13 Hosea eight and four Hosea 13 and two and Jeremiah three verses six through nine. Also a heathen will always be a heathen. They will never be an Israelite or a spiritual Israelite. The other nations gods were always idols. That's Psalms 96 and 5. Their gods were idols, but not Israel. Israel was given the one true living God to serve and worship, but they changed their glory, meaning their God or their power, and went after idols, which did not profit. A heathen will always be a heathen. They cannot be an Israelite. But as we've seen through this study, an Israelite can be identified as a Gentile or a Greek. This verse is also reminiscent of Ephesians 2 and 11 that we just went over. Next is the letter to the Thessalonians. Thessalonica was a city in Greece. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9. It says, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. We see these Israelites turn from serving idols just as as the Ephesians and the Corinthians. Again, the other nations had their own gods. We know that they are Israelites based on verses 3 and 4. Israel is beloved and chosen. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6 Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Luke 18 verses 1 through 8 is about how God will repay back the nations who have persecuted and oppressed us. The Letters to the Colossians. Colossians 1 and 2, it says to the saints and faithful brethren. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father who have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Inheritance of the saints equals the forefathers and the fellow Israelites. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Redemption and forgiveness of sins is for Israel. Acts 5 and 31. Verse 21, And unto you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled says aliens and enemies in your mind by wicked works, meaning they didn't have the law of the commandments on their mind like the Most High instructed them through Moses. We are to meditate in this book day and night. Deuteronomy 11 verses 1, 16, 18, and 19. It says reconcile. We read that in Romans 11 and Ephesians 2. The Israelites are reconciled back to the Father through Christ. Colossians 1. And 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his in his sight to present you holy, unblameable is only to the Israelites. So we know that this is talking about the Israelites because the Israelites was chosen to be a holy nation. As we've read throughout this study and that Israel will one day be blameless before the most high. Their sins will be no more. Let's read Jeremiah 50 and 20. In those days and in that time said the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for and there shall be none and the sins of Judah and they shall not be found for I will pardon them whom I reserve. This is being unblamable and reprovable. Colossians 3 and 10. Colossians 3 and 10. And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we put off sins, we put off lawlessness, and we put on obedience and we follow the commandments. Colossians 3 and 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So this means that the Jew, the Greek, the Scythian, the barbarian are all the same people. They're all the same people because all these people are Israelites living in different countries. That's why it's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. It says uncircumcision or circumcision. That just means Southern and Northern kingdom. Why? Because Because they are all one people and one nation under Christ. This is going back to Ezekiel 37. Two nations, two kingdoms become one nation, one kingdom. The letter to the Philippians. Philippi was a city in Greece. The Philippians are Israelites because of what Paul said in verse 1 of chapter 1. He says to all the saints in Christ Jesus. The letters to Timothy. Timothy's mother, Eunice, was a Jew. His father was a Greek, meaning he grew up according to the Greek customs. Yet he was an Israelite by blood. Our people knew not to intermingle with the other nations, though some of them did. I don't believe Timothy's mother intermingled, but I could be wrong. We also see in 2 Timothy 1 and 5 and in chapter 3 and verse 15, that Timothy's mother and grandmother had faith and that Timothy knew the law and prophets since he was a child. So we know that Timothy was an Israelite. The letter to Titus. We saw in Galatians 2 and 3 that Titus was a Greek speaking Jew. Let's go to Titus 2 and we'll read verses 13 and 15 looking for that blessed hope and the the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous unto good works we know that Christ gave himself for his people the nation of Israel he redeemed us from our sins we were the nation under the law Israel is his peculiar people this was discussed in first peter 2 and 9 further proving that paul was talking to his own people because peter told the scattered strangers that he wrote to that they were peculiar people as well further proving that they are israelites the book of hebrews i think that's pretty self-explanatory it was written to the hebrews who were the hebrews the israelites so in conclusion I hope that you all can see that the Apostles were writing to their brethren, the Israelites of both kingdoms. Think about it. How is it that Israel is scattered throughout the earth, the northern kingdom is cut off and no longer in covenant. The Most High said that he would not cast off his people, right? But yet we get into the New Testament and all of a sudden he sends his son to choose disciples and he sends them out to teach all nations about the gospel and the sacrifices. That doesn't make sense. Why would the nations care when they had their own gods, and it's known in the scriptures that they are enemies to us and the Most High? My prayer is that my people who are teaching that the apostles went to preach to the ethnic Gentiles, and that they are the fellow heirs and are the grafted in, will see that they are in error, What I've noticed among Israelites who teach that the Gentiles in the New Testament cannot be Israelites or the Northern Kingdom is that they reject precept upon precept. They don't read or teach from the Apocrypha or they only read 2nd Esdras. They don't teach the commandments and they they still hold on to Christianity's interpretation of the scriptures. And lastly, they bash the camps their own brethren, their own people. There may be differences of opinions, but at the end of the day, the camps have not rejected Christ. They are for the people, not against the people. Those who teach that the other nations are the Gentiles in the New Testament fail to see that the New Testament is about the redemptive work of Christ, restoring the kingdoms back to God To be one nation and one kingdom as it was intended to be from the beginning. All nations will serve him and his people. You can't say you know that you're the chosen above all nations and that the ethnic heathen are fellow heirs with us. And let's be real. We know that when our people say Gentiles can be grafted in, they're specifically talking about white people they're going to be there because they're going to be serving us but not ruling with us i pray my people wake up the truth hurts and it can be offensive this is why our enemies and oppressors have given us christianity because they themselves know the truth they said among themselves we can't let these negroes know who they are or who we are so they conspired together to white us out took our identity told us we were nothing but slaves and that we must forgive them for how they treated us because God said you must love your enemies and there's no consequences or judgment for them abusing, raping us, cursing us, and abusing us. They told us that our God and our Savior are men that look just like them and he's coming to save all people and that we're going to be one big happy family in the kingdom. That's Christianity, and sadly, that's what some Israelites believe. I'll end with this. The Most High's thoughts are deep. That's Psalms 92 and 5. His understanding is infinite. His thoughts and his ways are not like ours. If the Most High gives a mystery, and he did, do you think it would be so simple to understand firsthand? This is why parables and dark sayings are used. The mystery was hidden until Christ came. Our ancestors had the scrolls of the prophets who spoke of the mystery, but they were not able to understand it. This is why the New Testament reveals the Old Testament. When we first came into this truth, we didn't know everything. And even now, we don't know everything. But as we we humble ourselves and continue to grow, the Spirit continues to reveal more and more. This journey is an ever-learning process. My people, please read and study all of our history. Read the Apocrypha books. They took them out for a reason. We must unlearn what we learn from our enemies. Thank you for listening. Until next time, Shalom.